Thanks for listening in and welcome to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm Tim Davis, and our special guest today is Colin Box from Capital Football Club, or CFC for short. Colin, uh, you know, we've been uh, community buddies for for a while. Uh, I, I sure appreciate you as a leader, and, you know, you've got uh, a ton of kids in your programs. But what would you say, when you describe what you do, what would you say that is? Sure. Uh, I think most people think of me as the soccer guy. That's what I'm known as when I go around uh, the community. So I basically lead uh, Capital Football Club. We're a youth soccer organization. We have about 3,500 kids in our programs, operate a 37-acre uh, uh, sports complex, an indoor soccer facility, uh, just u- using soccer as a way to help the community, help kids develop both physically, emotionally, uh, socially, all those things. So, yeah. yeah. Boy, 37 acres. I just seems like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was jealous of your small flower beds as I was, yes, you know, a lot of concrete. Out yeah. Front. A lot of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, where did you grow up? I, I actually grew up here in Salem. So I, I was raised here. Uh, I went to South Salem high school, went to Corbin university. So been around Salem for a long time. Go Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. What was life like as a child for you, you think? Yeah. Um, I have two awesome parents, uh, a brother. Um, everything from that side was, I was very, very blessed in that way. So uh, I, soccer's always been a big part of my life as well. So I grew up playing soccer at CFC, actually, since I was five years old. So um, it's always been a part of my life. And, and yeah, just, kind of growing up, had great loving parents, uh, really supportive community through church, through soccer, um, really blessed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, looking back, uh, what was the first thing that you had passion for? Was it soccer or? Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I think about some of my, my earlier memories and definitely soccer was, was a big piece of that. We hosted several, um, Back in the day, there was a Cascade Surge soccer team, right, I remember. and so we we hosted a few Surge soccer players when I was in middle school, and got connected with one in particular. His name was Jesse, and he was uh, he was like the coolest guy that I'd ever met, especially for a fifth grade, fifth sixth grader. Um, he would he spent a lot of time just playing, hanging out with me and my brother, and and chatting quite a bit. So. Um, that was really my first experience and wanting to know that soccer was something that was a big part of my life moving forward. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you, I'm sure, can beat me in just about every aspect uh, <laughs> of soccer, with the exception of the one thing I think I have over you is that uh, I have hung out with Pele before. So <laughs> I have not done that. <laughs> yeah. At, at nine years cool. old, I was in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil airport, and uh, cool. he was there. And so I got a chance to hang out. And, and The uh, king of soccer. Yeah. I got yeah. his autograph, although I don't still have it. You know, it's on a piece of paper or something. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah. Man. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, do you consider yourself, uh, personality-wise, an introvert or an extrovert? I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah. So I think uh, I get my energy from being on my own. Uh, I I really value that time of reflection and stillness. I I've learned how to manage my you know social elements of everything through the years, and uh, but definitely having that quiet space is where I kind of go back to. Yeah, yeah. If you think of some of those. Uh, 
things you've woven into your life, whether they're uh, boundaries or habits or whatever, like uh, what does a morning routine look like? And I know you've got kids, so <laughs> routine is maybe a little bit of a gray area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say routine has, is definitely important. Uh, I usually wake up around six o'clock, you know, have a little bit of quiet time, get my cup of coffee, do my, my reading, my praying, a little journaling, all that. I usually will go on a run in the mornings. Um, and then my kids actually wake up after me, thankfully. And so then I have a little bit of time with my family before heading out to, to get to the office and kind of get into, um, my routine at work, which I always begin every day trying to say thank you to someone or thinking through someone that has been a blessing to me. And that kind of puts me in the right mind space moving forward um, for the day. Yeah, so, that's a great idea. No. Great idea. Um, when was the first time you recognized that you were a leader, that you thought of yourself that way? Yeah, uh, actually it was on the soccer field. So I, I was captain of my soccer team and I honestly, I did not want to be the captain <laughs> of my soccer team, but the coach kept making me the captain. And I thought to myself, why, why, do, why does the coach continue to make me the captain of this team? And that was really the first time that I started to view myself as a leader. Um, I got involved with, with my youth group and church and was leading in, in uh, my church as well and had some experiences through high school, starting new things, um, whether it was a club or being a part of those things. So I think a combination of both experiences on the soccer field with people saying, hey, you are a leader. Um, it was more of people pointing that out to me mm. more than me figuring it out for myself growing up. Yeah, so. that's good. Um, in the current model with what you're doing in the community and all that, what are maybe one or two of the bigger challenges you feel like you face, you know, hmm. either as a leader or as an organization? Sure. I think leadership wise, I think the biggest challenge that I, I face is there's just, there's always so much to do, right? Like you just got a <laughs> long list and, and it's so hard to, to prioritize really mm. what is the most important thing and actually taking the space, getting out of the weeds and having some space to be able to say, okay, these are the things we need to focus on. These are the things we're going to purposefully ignore because they're not in, as important so that we can make progress in these areas that are critical to the mission, critical to moving things forward in our in our organization. So I'd say that's probably the, the most difficult thing that I face on a daily basis really is not getting stuck in the weeds, being able to to disappoint people. I think that's really, I'm a people pleaser. Mm. So when someone asks me for, for, hey, can you help me with this? Or can you do th this thing? My natural inclination is always, yes, I'm going to go help you. When I sometimes need to say no, like I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I also need to focus on these things for the greater good of the organization. Yeah. I, I know you as a, as a servant leader, and I think what you're poking at is those things where we I think as leaders, we, we feel like uh, we should do yep. all those things because we want to model that. But the greater good sometimes is saying no, right, to to some of those things. Yeah. And and, uh, and then another epiphany maybe I had uh, it was some people like doing that thing that you don't really Yes, to do. they genuinely enjoy, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing book work or, or accounting or you know, absolutely. You know? And uh, uh, Gabe Johansson refers to me and him at, uh, as napkin guys, mm -hmm. right? So I'm a, I always know where we're at financially in groups and mm -hmm. you know and and participation, but just in the bulk, right? I, right. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, we pay bills and that type of thing, <laughs> but there's people who like doing that stuff, right? Exactly. They're far better off, you know? Yeah, and I think that's been part of my journey a little bit too, is kind of refining, you know, what are you really passionate about? And, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to be focused in on what you're passionate about. For me, like you said, we want to be a servant. We want to lead in a way that, hey, I'm not above anything. I'm not, I don't, the ego isn't the thing. I'm, I want to be humble in the way that I lead and not say that you're, I'm better than you or whatever it might be. But at the same time, sometimes uh, <laughs> you're taking an opportunity away from someone who really is passionate about something that you really are not. So, Man, that's good. Uh, we, we've been going through uh, a book by Michael Hyatt called uh, Free to Focus. Yeah. And so, you know, um, it talks about those zones, right? A passionate, proficient, dispassionate, non-proficient. Definitely. And, uh, sometimes there's things I'm passionate about and I think I'm proficient, but staff <laughs> and other people will tell you, actually, no. Yeah, not, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, are you a music guy? Do you listen to music? Yeah, I... Uh, Do you have a favorite genre or... You know, you I know? listen to all sorts of kinds of music. I I uh, grew up playing... My mom made me play piano. I wanted to play the violin, uh, but my mom made me play the piano and I hated it. I quit. Then I came back to it and I, I finished up. I never played the violin. Uh, but uh, I I played piano, guitar growing up, and still kind of do that just as kind of something to do to, I don't know, it's a it's a nice release and and way to get out of things. So I play a lot. Um, music wise, I I'm just kind of into whatever. I'm I'm I listen to yeah. a wide variety of different things. Yeah, yeah. So, so Paul Elliott over at Uptown Music, if you're mm -hmm. listening, we need to get uh, a violin for uh, <laughs> for Colin to take up uh, maybe someday. So. <laughs> Uh, if uh, if we're moving on to a, a different segment, it's uh, what you do and did right there, we, which we've covered some of that. But what was what was the first job you ever had? <laughs> uh, the first job I ever had uh, was I was a range attendant at Willow Lake Golf Center. So I was the guy that everybody was trying, trying to, to hit <laughs> when driving that golf cart around trying to pick up the golf balls. It was uh, it was a it was a great first job. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not still doing that. And you got free buckets, probably, <laughs> yep. right? The employee benefits, yep. right? Yeah. Do you still golf? Do you golf some? Yeah, uh, my dad and I, that's the way that we connect together. So sometimes we'll go out. It, it, we don't go too, too much, but um, it, it's always a good time. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you couldn't do what you're doing now, what would you do instead? Oh, that's a tough question. Right. Um, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I... Uh, I actually studied uh, to become a pastor, mm -hmm. so I pastored a small house church for several years, and uh, I I would love to be a pastor. I think that's something that I've I would enjoy doing. Uh, so I think that or teaching. I really enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, soccer coaching is another way of teaching. Just just teaching a sport. So anything in that youth development world is something that I really enjoy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, from the time you started in uh, in your role or smaller roles with CFC till now, what, what have you seen change in the industry maybe? In youth sports, um, that's a, that's a very good question. Hmm. Um, I would say youth sports, there's been, uh, more and more a move towards professionalization of youth sports. Right. Uh, I'd say volunteerism in our communities is, is much different than it was when I started. So 
recruiting volunteers, um, having volunteers involved with helping with different things. We, as it's gone on, the longer that I've been involved, the less and less we see volunteers involved. So um, I would say it's continued to move towards professionalization of things because that's kind of what we need to be able to do to run a, a, a reasonable program. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say that's one of the bigger ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when, when I was younger in high school, maybe just after that, uh, you know, played a bunch of sports, right? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just encouraged. People were like, hey, what's your favorite sport? It was whatever season yep. it was. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, I might have played some baseball and ran track in the same time or something, you know. Yep. But uh, when you talk about specialization, where my head goes is that uh, a, a lot of organizations or parents really want a kid yeah. to specialize into just one thing, you know. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say generally parents want, a lot of parents are passionate about, hey, I want my kid to do this or, or those things. So I think that there's definitely a... a it can be a bad thing to specialize super, super early with, with kids. Um, I think that the athletes that I've seen that have done the best are really the ones that are playing multiple sports. And you can mm. see that there's lots of research about that. I definitely think that it's important to be involved. Um, but at the same time, developing your... There's so many different development opportunities across different sports that if you just do one, you're really missing out on a lot of those other things. Yeah. If you had a chance to just uh, give a piece of advice to uh, those parents out there from their maybe first grader mm-hmm. you know, on up, what piece of yeah. advice would you give? I would say every player, every kid has their own pathway and, and just let them, it's got to be theirs. It's got to be something that they want to do. Encourage them, give them the opportunities, prompt them to do those things in sports, but it's got to be their their piece. And I would also encourage parents to use sports as a way to connect with your kids. And so it's not just a bunch of pressure for your kid to perform on a weekend or whatever. It's a long, long journey. And I know I get sucked in. It's easy now with my own young kids coming up through programs, it's easy to get passionate and say, hey, you should have done better on this, or why didn't you move into this area or whatever else it might be. But but you got to remember, this is a long-term journey and kids play for fun. They play because they enjoy it. And so just let them enjoy it. And whatever pathway that might look like, encourage that pathway. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I kind of call it just adding kindling to yeah. to the kids. And, and it's not our job to to pour the gasoline on. It's just yeah. to provide opportunities. And and their gift sets and their passions will, will you know, Definitely. mold into what typically they're good at and they enjoy doing, right? Yeah. So, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, maybe... Colin wouldn't say it uh, this firmly, but I can because it's my show. But uh, and that's that uh, the average parent spends about fifty-eight seconds a day of uninterrupted time with their child, mm. and it's wow. not enough. Absolutely, so I, I love yeah. that you're saying you use it as a way of connecting, not just forcing them to play better and, and that yeah. type of stuff. And so, uh, my kids were both musicians and yeah. and tech kids, you know. And so, I uh, I remember getting this is way back right but when my son was six seven eight or whatever the game boy and pokemon was yeah. just coming on and so yeah. I, I bought two i bought a <laughs> absolutely two, two game boys and i was the cool dad that knew pokemon names when friends That's come right. over and you know <laughs> so whether it's that you know the pro players it, whether uh-huh. your kid and his yeah. friends are playing soccer or whatever being able to engage in what they're doing uh parents are always uh, asking me like well man you know my kid and me are distant blah 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 well what's your kid like doing well video games well what yeah video join game? them yeah what video game well i don't know 
Mm. We'll start there. Well, yeah. Or he plays sports. Like, what's his favorite basketball team yeah. you know, or whatever? Oh, well, just start. I think the way we connect with children is to move towards them, not for them for to join sure. us on a hunting trip or whatever. Mm. Not that that can't happen, right? But uh, that's a good that's a good word right there. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Uh, what's next? Uh, you know, I know you guys have been in a, a, a phase of growth and, and, you know, development of uh, stuff, but yeah, how can the community continue to help you sure. in, in your engagements? So. Yeah, so we just, this this last couple of years has been uh, really stretching in a lot of different ways, obviously, with, with the pandemic and everything, as everybody's been going through, but we also decided it was a good idea to embark on a $3 million capital project in the at the tail end or middle of that, whatever that would look like. So we finished up uh, building a couple uh, new FIFA quality soccer fields out of the complex. So we have a total of three turf fields that are out there now, along with, uh, you know, a lot of other improvements that are setting us up for the future. So that's kind of the next phase for us in terms of we're, we're kind of adjusting to our new facility, kind of getting operations caught up with all of that and what that looks like, as well as um, we tore down our building. It wasn't much, if you could call it a building, it wasn't much of a building, but we tore it down. So we're um, setting ourselves up for that next future building. Um, we really want to create a community space and soccer is kind of the magnet or whatever that mm -hmm. brings everybody together. But can we offer some services and have some other things that are going um, in conjunction with that building that then um, we're, we're working on really creating a not just a soccer complex, but a, a youth sports facility mm -hmm. and something that serves the community well, not just the soccer players or whatever, but um, something that helps uh, the community grow both with programming that's going on all the time, as well as economic impact of bringing tournaments and other events into our, into our city um, to help everybody. So. Yeah. Um, how about, uh, you touched on it's socioeconomic stuff. So mm -hmm. you've got uh, all different levels of, of, uh, uh, fluency or income yeah. as far as families and stuff. So what does that look like for the for the different demographics that sure. you guys attract? Yeah, you know? so I'd say we're a little bit unique in the terms of the youth sport, youth soccer world. Um, uh, there's a lot of research and things about the pay-to-play model. Uh, the reality is that things cost money, and so how we're funding it is maybe different than the rest of the world in terms of um, we're not selling players to make money or those kinds of things. But... Um, we do have fees that are associated with our programs. We have a pretty robust scholarship program. Um, and so about 40% of the kids that we serve are at or below the federal poverty line. So they're getting quite a bit of help in order to play. Um, and and we work pretty hard to, to do the fundraising. That's a part of that to be able to make it so that every kid has a chance to play regardless of their their background. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, what about uh, maybe... Uh, racial demographics yeah. when it comes to what does that what does that look like uh, sure maybe i think soccer is pretty unique in that way because it's the world's game so you, you uh matthew mcconaughey is my favorite quote soccer is the greatest the the soccer ball is the greatest invitation in the world <laughs> and so you don't need to know the language you don't need to know any of these things you roll it out there and you bring people together so we have about uh 50 of our uh players that are latino 50 percent mm. It's about 50-50 in terms of white and Latino. Um, we've got uh, some a decent amount of the refugee community that's actually integrated with what we're doing because soccer is a way that they they know how to connect. 
Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's pretty pretty unique, pretty yeah. unique uh, environment. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, how uh, how do you, I mean we touched maybe earlier, but how do you uh, make sure that you're keeping yourself healthy? Mm. Um, that, you know, like what does time off look like to you? you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely important. I think. Uh, it's a it's a constant it's it's a constant thing to be attentive to. I I try to be you know healthy in in certain ways so spiritually, you know, relationally, physically um and then just time-wise looking at what that looks like. So I I try to have really I guess it's kind of called a rule of life in a sense of these are the things that I'm doing so I have a basically these are the things I'm doing every week so mm -hmm. I don't get lost in the midst of the pressures. So yeah. I'm trying to connect with a friend every week. I'm trying to have some mentorship relationships in my in my life, trying to make sure that there's healthy boundaries around when and I'm working and when I'm not. So but it's a constant, constant struggle. I'm definitely not <laughs> hitting it spot on by any means. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh so looking back today, what would you what advice would you give your twenty year old self? Yeah, I would say uh, just slow down a little bit um, <laughs> and be patient and uh, respect your limits. Um, and there's no reason to push something through right now if it's not the right time. I think that I'm kind of a visionary, and so I, you know, I get excited about a vision that I might have, mm. um, but that not ne isn't necessarily the vision that everybody else has. And so I think if we want to be successful in the long run, we need other people. We need a team. We need a community. You know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go with other people. Yeah. And so I think that that would be the the main piece of advice I'd give my younger self. So. Yeah. What uh, When it comes to communicating with staff or volunteers, what advice do you have for, for uh, other leaders out there maybe? Hmm. Um, Whether it's tools or ways you go about it, I, you mentioned yeah. earlier when you when you first get there, you try to, uh, you know, reach out and and lift somebody else up. So that's one form of communication. Yeah, yeah. I I I've been pretty influenced by um, what Mountain West has been doing with outward mindset, mm -hmm. um, and so it's a very simple co concept, but it's just you know seeing other people as people, not as objects. That and I think we as managers or leaders have a tendency to see, hey, this person can give me this thing or they owe me this piece, but they're actually a person that has you know what what is their what did their night last night look like at home or what is going on you know everybody has a story and so I'd say um, I try to start from a spot of you know you're I, I want to see you as a as a human being that has value and um, respect and not make assumptions about you know why this didn't happen or why you were late or why whatever let's explore those pieces together so um, yeah that's that's really my starting point. That's oh, good. Yeah. What uh, What's the best idea you ever stole? Because, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's a good question. Yeah. I steal every. I mean, I st yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing everything. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's the best one. Um, yeah. Or just one that comes to mind. It doesn't yeah. have to be the most impactful one. But, uh, I, think, I think that this, uh, just the personal pieces of everything, you can only give what you possess. And so I think kind of the personal pieces, even you were talking about um, 
the free to focus and some of those tools. Right. Um, those have been really helpful for me in terms of a daily routine, kind of a, a beginning and a ending routine to your days. Um, so that's that's one I'd say that's been pretty helpful. Um, mm. On a more professional level, on the soccer side of things, I'd say, um, yeah, I did a I did a course with a guy named Franz Hoke. He's the he's uh, the goalkeeper coach for the Netherlands, and he wrote the like coaching manual for FIFA for the world. And so I sat in his thing and just basically took notes and copied like literally word for word everything that he said and just put it into our exactly. program. Yeah. So that was a pretty big yeah. steal. So yeah, that's good though. I <laughs> yeah. mean, we, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? No. We've heard heard that a lot. Yeah. You know, I think we we take that even from our childhood. So however we were parented, mm-hmm. there's pieces that we take that we definitely want to add to how we parent. And there's yeah. some of those pieces maybe. Uh, that we'll leave behind because they weren't maybe as beneficial or whatever. So yeah. the same type of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. Mm. yeah. Well, gosh, Colin, time flies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks uh, for look having forward me. To, look forward to having you again sometime. And uh, we just, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just uh, look at the end of this uh, show to pick up how you can contact these guys and, and help them continue to impact uh, young people in our community through soccer. And, taking care of 37 acres of stuff (laughs) yeah so all righty well thanks again yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening in to leading well by valor mentoring you can catch us on kslm every saturday at 11 a.m and wherever you listen to your podcast get in touch with colin at cfcsalem.com or visit them on facebook at cfcsalem and on instagram at CFC underscore Salem.